Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello? Hello. We still have never recorded that, and it really makes me sad. There's probably some sort of copyright thing to it. Shut up. No, there's not, because nobody could say it as good as we do. Yes, that is exactly why there's no copyright thing on it. We say it better. (laughs) We do. It's ours. Hello? Hello? All right. beautiful how goes it it goes how goes it for you it goes i'm glad that it's pre-friday friday eve how's your sweet self today i did not get to talk to you at all today yes you did don't don't look at me don't look at me like i talked to you i didn't talk to you today don't do that to me wow okay (laughs) you said like five things to me today i am just very tired and very over allergy headaches Fucking allergies. How about you? My day was pretty good. I got a lot done. Pretty productive between work and research and whatever. I have had a very productive 24 hours. I'm running on like three hours of sleep. (laughs) Jesus. I feel like I could sleep for about 10 years right now. I also feel like I could do that, but we got a lot of shit we got to get done before I could get there. So I'm hyped for this. On that note, before we dive into that, Hey there, listeners. I'm Allie. And I'm Celeste. And we're Taboos. If you're new here, we discuss taboo topics that society generally holds stigmas against. Or just in general doesn't want us to fucking talk about. And I say fucking talk about because this show has all kinds of bad words in it, just so you know. So welcome. If you're new, this is probably not for your children. Especially this episode. Let's be really clear about that. Real quick though, are you drinking anything tonight? Because that's part of our show. Also part of our show. And yes, I am. Thank you for asking. I will ask you, Allie, I would also like to know what you're drinking, but may I share with you what I'm drinking since you asked first? That's probably why I asked. 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 (laughs) I don't know what that was. Yes, please. Excellent. I am drinking today it's called this too shall pass and it is from the fermentatorium which i remembered you had a beverage by them recently and i thought that that was such a clever name that is awesome yeah i really like the um it kind of looks like a light I guess. It is described as a New England styled pale ale brewed with Sabro and Azaka hops and Kivek yeast. Yep. So all that and it's it's pretty good. That's what I have to say about it. <laughs> I I really did like the can. You know what though? It 
sort of also looks like a pot leaf. And I'm not saying I'm mad about that. I'm just saying I recognize that. Noted. I like how simple that design is, too. I'm going to go with the sunburst. Sunburst is fine, too. Who knows? What are you drinking over there, my darling, dearest love of my life? I am drinking a Sauvignon Blanc by... I think it's called Imagery. I don't have the bottle, but I'm like 99% certain that the brand is Imagery. I would describe this to you, but really it just tastes like a Sauvignon Blanc, so that's all I've got. That's an excellent description. I know exactly what you're talking about. Juice. It does not taste (laughs) like juice. Dear God. Okay. Excellent. Well, agree to disagree. It's fine. Dear listeners that also enjoy white wines, please come to my rescue whenever this episode comes out. Thanks. (laughs) Bye. Would you like to tell me and our listeners what we're talking about today? I would. I would like to tell you what we are going to talk about today. However, I think that it's actually really important for us to start this episode right away with our disclaimer instead of our topic because our disclaimer is inclusive of our topic. But also, dear listeners, this episode, I'm really asking you to make a choice to listen to. If this episode is not going to be good for you, do not listen. If you're not in a place to hear this episode, do not listen. You can always come back to this. However, if this episode is going to disrupt your inner peace and the journey that you are on in healing, that's not worth it to us. So for that reason, I would like to start with our disclaimer rather than what our episode is about today. Is that okay? Yep, I agree 100%. I appreciate you. This week's episode will contain a content warning as it will be focused around situations that will describe and conceptualize everything from a healthy, consenting sexual experience to that of the most extreme, rape. There's absolutely nothing more important to us than your well-being as our listener. In the event this episode is not one you can move forward with for your own inner peace, we would like you to hear us share with you the most important part of this episode. Your body is yours. It is yours to choose what to do with and who to share it with. If someone took that choice from you, please know you have absolutely nothing to feel guilty about. Your rapist does. You are a beautiful human who did not deserve your body to be taken from you. You are worthy of taking your body back, of demanding respect, and of healing. Love and light to you all. For those of you who will be staying with us for the rest of this episode, please know that Allie and I are not licensed therapists, mental health professionals, or in any way presenting ourselves as crisis resources. In the event you need crisis assistance, please check out our title and our show notes where we will have included some additional references for you. Additionally, none of the information or research within this episode is to be considered as genuine legal advice, as Allie and I are not attorneys and the information discussed today is based solely on our personal research and personal experiences in every sense of the word. This episode is going to be a tough one, but we're going to get through it together because there's power in numbers and maybe if we all say no together, they'll hear us. So today... We are going to be talking about consent and the topic of rape and rape culture because it's all very deeply intertwined. And in order to fight against this insane, sick, deep-rooted evil that is in our society as a species, we have to talk about all of it at one time. So that's what we're going to do today. I agree, and I'm here for it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, 
this is the moment where really, if you're on the train, you're on the train. No more stops until we're done. Choo-choo. Let's hit it. So let's start, as always, with the definition of consent. No means no. That fucking easy, really. And that definition came from Celeste. So it has to be fact. I've just said that. So everybody knows. <laughs> fact. How is consent defined by the law, however? That's a little bit different. According to dictionary.findlaw.com, consent is described as the voluntary agreement or acquiescence by a person of age or with requisite mental capacity who is not under duress or coercion and usually who has knowledge or understanding. So I just want to be really clear. I fucking hate this definition. This definition is ridiculous and convoluted and idiotic. It leaves way too many gray areas. For real. For real. So we're gonna step away from that fucking definition and really the only time that we ever need to talk about that definition ever again is if we are talking about the fact that it needs to be rewritten because it needs to be fucking rewritten. The law around consent cannot be so convoluted. That is how there are so many loopholes in the system and you guys we're gonna get into all of it so just really be ready so i found this different presentment of the term consent which is also known as permission and i thought that this was a much more valuable way of looking at this and this came from sscok.edu consent is when one person agrees or gives permission to another person to do something. Consent means agreeing to an action based on your knowledge of what that action involves, its likely consequences, and having the option to say no. Agreed. I really want to take a second to look at that definition on a point-by-point -point basis, okay? Because I really think it's important for us to understand what consent really is because this is like hard for people to grasp, apparently. We've already decided that consent by the definition of the law is inaccurate. It is not valid. It's convoluted. It's super fucked. So I like this definition better. And in order for us to get into this concept and into this episode, we all must be on the same page about what consent means. And we're going to use this definition. So pencils up, notes out. Let's go. Can I just say I appreciate that you got it off of a safe, sane, consensual site, SSC. I just wanted to call that out because I was like, wait a minute. I appreciate that you knew that. The first line states, one person agrees to or gives permission to another person. Is, is anything about that hard? No. No. Please notice nowhere in there does it say a fucking thing about age. It is simply says one person to another person. Okay, good. Moving on. The next line is to do something. Mm -hmm. Also, still not hard. This person is consenting, saying yes, agreeing to, giving permission for one thing, this something, whatever that may be. The next line is agreeing to an action based on your knowledge of what that action involves. So if you aren't familiar with what oral sex is, you can't consent to oral sex because you don't know what it is. If you don't know what sex is, 
you can't consent to sex because you don't know what you're agreeing to. Mm -hmm. That is the huge crux of the concept of consent. It's likely consequences. How do you know the consequences of something that you don't know what it is? How would you know that? Well, yeah, exactly. If you don't know what sex is, how do you know that getting pregnant can be a consequence of sex? You wouldn't. Mm -hmm. That's, again, like so obvious. And having the option to say no. I really recognize that in the legal definition of consent, the option to say no is not present. There is no outline that indicates no means no. There's nothing about the law that states it in that way. And that blows my fucking mind. Another part of that, too, is that no can happen at any time, even after yes. And I think that needs to be called out. It absolutely is. Absolutely correct. One billion percent. It will be called out later in the episode. But without question, I'm so glad that you interjected it here. You're right. And you can say yes to one thing. And say no to the next fucking thing that comes your way. That's fine. That happens. We're going to get into all of that. But I do think that it's important in this exact section that you guys hear us preface. That's pivotal to this conversation as well. So let's talk about history. Let's talk a little bit about the history of consent. Okay. Because honestly... I wanted to understand where this came from. I wanted to understand at what time it was clearly determined that forcibly taking someone else's body was wrong, according to the law. English common law in the 1500s stated that consent coincided with the onset of puberty, as if once a girl menstruated, she was ready to have sex. So the concept of consent has been around since the 1500s. The interesting point about that, though, is that still there was no age listed. So that could be really subjective according to that time. Quote, men accused of raping girls as young as seven could and did simply say she consented to avoid prosecution. Reformers understood that once, quote-unquote, ruined, these young victims of assault could be forced into prostitution because no man would marry or hire a, quote-unquote, fallen woman. Shout out to the birthplace of fucking rape culture, the 1500s. Jesus Christ. Isn't that magnificent? And I don't mean magnificent in a yay, happy, magic kind of way. I mean, isn't that magnificently fucking catastrophic, like a train wreck? That's what that feels like to me in a visual form. I just, mm, I can't, I can't. One day I'm going to build a time machine and go back in time and go boondock saints on all of those offenders. Just saying, it's coming. (laughs) Agreed. Agreed. In 1861, British purity reformers had succeeded in raising the age of consent to 13. So let's just let's just look at that for a second. 300 years later, the age of 13 was put in place, just so everyone knows. In 1885, the movement of the quote-unquote age of consent went viral for whatever could go viral in 1885 besides like... I don't know, smallpox and shit. (laughs) Only I could make a super fucked up death joke in this episode. (laughs) Something's so wrong with me. 
Um, you guys, I did the thing. Oh no. I did the thing where I didn't cite this article and I have to show you this. Instead of citing the article, look at the little timeline I made. <laughs> So I could keep my notes straight and I could put them in chronological order. <laughs> I, so I was busy. Thank you, whatever website <laughs> helped provide this inspiration. I was so busy. Look at it. It's so sad. I don't, I don't draw. Well, I can't draw because I type my notes. So I guess it's invalid entirely. But if I did write my notes, <laughs> I don't know if there would be doodles. There's not doodles, Allie. It's a fucking timeline. This is science. These are science research. <sighs> okay. That's a really official looking timeline. I know. I know with the squiggles and things and it's very proportionate. <laughs> look at, look at the distance between 1500 and 1861 is like on top of each other. But 1945 and 2001 are like two inches apart. <laughs> It's obviously not to scale. He said in last week's episode that I'm not going to be a construction worker and you're not going to be a whoever creates timelines person. Apparently not. Dear Holly, please never ask me for a timeline. Okay, so shout out to the article that I'm not plagiarizing this from. A quote, according to that article, is William T. Stead, a mud, nope, a mud, a muckrucking, a muckracking, journalist went undercover in London's brothels. Stead published a series of salacious articles collectively titled, quote, The Maiden Tribute of Modern Babylon in the Paul Mall Gazette, detailing how London's husbands and fathers paid top dollar to deflower child virgins in the city's brothels. Within months, public outcry led Parliament to raise the age of consent to 16. End Quote. Well, shout out to William for starting that, getting the ball rolling. Shout out to William, indeed. From 1886 to 1900, the WTCU petitioned every state legislature in the country, gathering more than 50,000 signatures in Texas alone, and dispatched women to legislative sessions from coast to coast to demand that the age of consent be raised to 18. Whoa. 50,000 women in Texas alone in like 1886. How did, how did like word of mouth even travel in 1886? Yeah, it's not like you could just post to your socials to have people come sign. That's super impressive. Right. Like retweet this petition in 1886. That's not how it worked. So I'm just really saying that's a lot of fucking work and cheers to those women. We're going to really get into what they've done for our country today, but that's impressive as fuck. Quote, many lawmakers rejected women's presence in public affairs and further resented the unprecedented campaign to curtail white men's sexual prerogatives. End quote. So literally, women weren't allowed to be in politics because men couldn't keep it in their pants. That's interesting. Yeah, how dare women step all over. How dare women exist in front of a man. So rude. I'm just really awesome. In 1890, WTCU and allies in the labor and populist movements had succeeded in raising the age of consent to 14 to 16 in several states. Quote, although this marked significant progress, 
women advocates still wanted to raise it to 18, which, duh, obviously, at the time, 18 was an adult. So that was super logical. Yeah. The article also went on to say, Frances Willard, the long-term president of WTCU, made friends with the quote-unquote free-thinking feminist Helen Hamilton Gardner. According to this article, free-thinker meant that she was atheist or agnostic. I thought that was an interesting call-out. Because it was 1890. Yeah, definitely. I'm kindred spirits with Helen. (laughs) Shout out to Helen. (laughs) Throughout the 1890s, Helen had made raising the age of consent her focus. So super shout out to Helen. Definitely. So let's talk about Helen for a second because she's actually really, really important. She was an author and the editor of the Libertarian arena magazine as well as a victim of assault herself she used her position to promote the age of consent reform so truly she used her platform and her experience to make a fuck ton of noise and she was really really crucial for this movement quote she chronicled reformers efforts included detailed legislative reports and vote tallies from every state and even published a quote-unquote blacklist of states that had not yet raised the age of consent above 14 i just need to say this for a second why in the fuck would that even be a fight 14 is still a child shame on Every single representative of this country who has ever considered anything under the age of adulthood to be appropriate for age of consent. Shout out to Helen for publishing her burn book, essentially. Seriously, my fucking hero. Thank you, Helen. Because of her direct efforts, by 1900, 32 states had raised the age between 14 and 18. How Fucking incredible is that. Mm -hmm. Cheers again to Helen. Quote, Moth, 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 Moth. Moth. Just kill me. Do you have all your teeth? No, I have too many teeth, Allie. That's the fucking problem. Quote, Most Southern state legislature refused to budge. For years, black women, including Frances Ellen Watkins and Ida B. Wells, had called attention to the fact that white men used rape as a tool of white supremacy. Shout out to our Black Women Matter episode. Dana talks about that up and down. We talk about that up and down as far back as fucking slavery. Ooh. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Go check out our Black Women Matter episode. It's an amazing episode. Sometimes I feel like we should try to remember episode numbers. I feel like we should too, except I also love our titles so much that I'm like, fuck episode numbers. Also because we're really bad at the episode numbers. Either we don't put them in all the time and we update them later, or we put them in wrong, or I just don't put them in ever. And then <laughs> and then we just have titles. I didn't even realize we had to put them in, so... Yeah, Allie, it's not automatically. And I've been fixing your... Well, fuck. I've been fixing your numbers for you. (laughs) Whoops. Says the woman who's like, we should say our numbers. She doesn't even put them in. Nope. Quote, For a brief period before 1900, white women worked together with black women, mainly in the WTCU, to revise the age of consent laws before they were disenfranchised and forced out of office after Reconstruction. Black male legislators in the South 
also advanced legislation to raise the age of consent. So truly, what that tells me is the only people who were objecting to raising the age of consent were... White men. (gasps) Oh my goodness! What a concept! White men? Privileged? Having sex with minors and nobody even blinks? What an idea! Well, I mean, look at the Catholic Church. Shots fired. I like it. 1920 comes along. Shout out to the 19th Amendment. Which states the right of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or any state specifically on account of sex. This was a hundred years ago. Let me say that. A hundred years ago, it was put in place that women could vote. Oh my God. You know what? uh, That just, it literally just clicked to me. My great grandmother was born right after that law was passed. My great grandmother was alive from the time women could vote until currently. That's insane. Her whole life women could vote, but that's it. Mm -hmm. Her mother's life? No, that's just, oh my God. I'm trying to do math in my head. Just please continue. (laughs) Do you want to maybe just say something like about my great grandma or something? My great-grandmother could only vote for part of her life. Yeah, just crazy. Absolutely crazy. But shout out to my great-grandma. And if you asked her what the secret to life was, she would say because she took a shot of brandy every single day. And then she'd follow it up with, my insides are pickled. (laughs) Barry Sussman. I love her. I love her. So, with the 19th Amendment passing, it gave women the opportunity to support the legislation that they were fighting for without having to convince men on the floor of their position to get them on the team of, quote-unquote, equal rights. So, for the first time in history, women could actually vote for the legislation that they were fighting for themselves. Isn't that a fucking trip? Mm -hmm. Interesting facts along the way that I wanted to include. Prostitution is a direct contributing factor to the age of consent being raised. Are you scratching your head? Because I sure was. Let us not forget the quote-unquote fallen women and that concept being eternally fucking perpetuated. That is why sex workers are shamed. We have said it before. We're going to say it again. Sex work is work, yo. Deal with it. Agreed. Sex work is work. Shout out to sex workers in Sherlock Holmes. Quote, Before penicillin became more widely available in 1945, which also, shout out to 1945, not even being that long ago, wives and mothers were concerned as syphilis and gonorrhea were more widespread than all other infectious diseases combined. Wow. Whoa. Wives would unknowingly contract STIs from their husbands and then could pass them on to their unborn children, resulting in miscarriages, fetal abnormalities, blindness, epilepsy, and unsightly, quote-unquote, syphilis teeth, a.k.a. Hutchinson teeth. If you've never heard of Hutchinson teeth or syphilis teeth, which I hadn't, (gasps) oh my god, oh my god. I'm not going to Google this. Don't Google it. Oh my God. But a real thing. Also, women with permanent STDs were never going to remarry if something happened to their husband who had given them the STD because this woman was now permanently tainted. Mm -hmm. Quote, 
In most cases, women could not successfully sue for divorce, support themselves, or retain custody of their children if they did divorce. Wow. Exactly. What they wanted was a way to hold men accountable for their actions and a semblance of control over what happened to their bodies and children. Women believed that raising the age of consent for girls would diminish the number of working prostitutes and alleviate a host of social ills caused by the sexual double standard. And they were partially right. End quote. But also... Let's acknowledge they just wanted a semblance of control over their body. Like, oh, those poor women, those poor women that like just what a time to have been alive. I can't imagine. It still blows my mind that we have to write laws around things like this. Not necessarily even just this topic, but any of these sort of topics. There has to be laws. Without question. I I don't know. Anyways, please continue. I understand the sentiment of what you're saying without question because this should not even be a question it shouldn't be oh you forced yourself on her are you sure that's okay like that should never be a fucking question but i understand why the laws are there and as a future attorney i'm not downing on the laws i appreciate laws but fuck they're built wrong they're built bad and they're fucking stupid right now and i agree with your sentiment for those reasons yeah i'm just pissed that they need to exist agreed the article goes on to say quote In the hundred years since the ratification of the 19th Amendment, age of consent laws have remained on the books. All states now are set between the ages of 16 and 18, which is historically the highest it's ever been. Although the internet, child marriage, and other workarounds undermine these standards today. Subsequent generations of activists have succeeded in criminalizing marital rape, having conversations about sexual assault away from victim blaming, and introducing the concept of sexual harassment into employment laws. End quote. So that's really what I had on the history of consent. I thought it was really important that we really kind of looked at how long this concept has been relevant for human beings, right? Because a lot of people still don't seem to grasp this. They still don't seem to understand my body, my rights, my choice. And if that means that I don't want you to touch me, that means you're not going to touch me. That concept has been challenged since the 1500s. At what point do people really catch on to that idea? Yeah, agreed, 100%. And really also... I think that this is going to come up at some point, and I didn't even write this down, so I think this is the perfect place to put it. You guys, the only way that we get away from that ideology is by talking about this. It's by having conversations. It's by calling rape by its name. It's by confronting it and reporting it and fighting it. It is not by keeping it quiet. It is not by not talking about it and hiding and keeping this burden on your chest for your whole life. That is not how we help our society evolve to allow this concept to be so ingrained in how we treat people. There are not laws necessary for it. I mean, it sounds really naive, but kind of a utopia, right? But I'm not even being ignorant in that. I'm not even being naive in that. I don't think that's unobtainable. If truly we start educating ourselves and our children on how to respect other people's fucking bodies and our own fucking bodies. Why is that a concept we can't talk about? Part of that too is the fact that 
there's still blame put on the victim, which is insane. Ooh, stay tuned. So the next section of my research is called, so what is consent really though? Because I personally really recognize that a lot of people talk about consent and a lot of people don't talk about consent. And also a lot of people talk about consent but don't understand it in application. They understand consent as it relates to themselves sometimes, but not necessarily always. And that can be due to situational circumstances, that can be due to personal traumas and experiences, it can be due to a lot of things. But truly, there was a time in my life where I didn't understand what consenting meant. Nobody ever taught me what it meant to consent to an experience the way that I am adamant to teach my child she can consent to experiences or not consent to experiences, right? The concept of no means no doesn't really mean a lot when you don't know anything about what you're saying no to, right? You're just walking around saying no. I'm not saying that that shouldn't be respected, but how do you know when you're supposed to say no if you don't know what the question even is, right? That sounds like a riddle, but it's not. That's real. And the, the less that we talk about sex in school and in our homes and with our children, the farther we get away from the answer to that riddle. And that's just not something I'm comfortable with. So I really think it's important for us to take some time to talk about what consent really looks like. I think to build on that too, growing up, I was never really given the impression that consent doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. Like you said, there can be pieces of consent, but I was never given that impression growing up. It was, oh, I consented, so here's the gambit. Right. So, I, yes, like an all or nothing deal. An all you can eat buffet kind of moment. Like now you've paid for your plate, here you are. And that sounds really crude that I'm comparing a sexual experience to a buffet, but truly, that's how consent was always presented to me. It was, you paid your fee at the door and anything goes now. Even when I wasn't okay when anything goes, I just didn't know any better, which is really sad. And also, I really need to say this too, that's nobody's fault in particular. A lot of people could point fingers and play the blame game and whatever, but I'm not doing that, so please nobody try and do that for me, okay? Thank you. Before moving into this section, however, I really need everyone to hear me say sex is super, super normal and it's super okay. Sexuality is a vital aspect of human life, but it should always be on your own terms, both for men and women. Men are just as likely of being the victim of sexual assault and have the exact same rights as a victim. As humans, our libidos naturally increase and decrease throughout our lives. Remember, it's always okay to say no to sex of any kind at any time for absolutely any reason. You are never obligated to have sex with someone and it's okay to stop at any time. And as true as we recognize those things for ourselves and our own bodies, we must always be aware of other people who are having the same experience in that moment within their own bodies. Always leave egos at the fucking door. No means no. And that is what consent really is. Yes. 
I then found some information, some statistically proven, scientific, researchy, not my information, about what consent is and is not that I would like to get into to have some really pointed examples and information that everybody can reference. This information came from rain.org, and I actually found a lot of information from this website. It's R-A-I-N-N.org, and it is a fantastic site. I it, We're going to have it in the show notes for sure. I got literally 90% of the information about my statistics and consent and all of that shit from this website. So for anybody who needs a solid resource, please, please, please hear us say this is a good one. Quote, Consent is an agreement between participants to engage in sexual activity. Consent should be clear and freely communicated. Another quote states, When you're engaging in sexual activity, consenting to one activity one time does not mean someone gives consent for other activities for the same person. So for example, if someone consents to kissing, but they do not consent to taking their clothes off, Do not just start taking their clothes off because you're kissing. You have to ask, is it okay if I kiss you? And is it okay if I take your clothes off or take your shirt off? Or, I mean, really seriously, whatever is happening in that moment. Every step of the way you should be asking, is this okay? And that doesn't have to be like this big grandeur thing. It can just be literally as easy as this okay? Do you like that? Are you enjoying this? Asking those kinds of questions. And we're going to talk about this in a little bit. It's called enthusiastic consent. And I actually think it's really cool, but I'm trying not to jump ahead. Okay. Yeah. Because I was going to say consent can be sexy. So. Oh, definitely. I think consent is super fucking sexy. Having sex with someone in the past does not give that person permission to have sex with you in the future. I also think that that's a huge fucking thing that nobody ever really explained to me. And I wish they would have because I truly for a very long time thought that once someone had access to my body, it was theirs to do what they wanted with. And that led me to a lot of really unhealthy and really terrible places in my life. I just wish somebody would have said those words to me. You can change your mind at any time. Withdrawing consent can be challenging or difficult to do verbally. Sometimes some nonverbal cues can also be used to convey this. Consent is not a joke. Consent cannot be given by individuals under age intoxicated or incapacitated by drugs or alcohol, asleep or unconscious. Stay tuned, Minnesota. I'm fucking coming for you. If someone agrees to an activity under pressure of intimidation or threat, it is not considered consent because it was not given freely. I also really want to just pause on that one specifically to add my own Celeste thought to it. This one specifically says pressure of intimidation or threat. And I want to share with you guys an experience that I had recently that truly made this episode that much more important for me and that much more urgent for me to share with you because really I've never experienced this before and if I had under different circumstances when I was in a place in my life that maybe I didn't love myself as much and I didn't respect myself as much I would have fallen into this trap but recently I was spending time with a, a dude who was really great 
and really cool and I really liked him a lot okay and uh dude came over and we were hanging out and spending time together and we got to kissing and it was really hot and oh my god he's so fucking gorgeous so fucking hot easily a 15 out of 10 holy fuck and I didn't think anything was wrong with kissing I was enjoying kissing him and then things got very weird very quickly and he kept trying to take my clothes off and I kept saying no and he kept saying why don't you trust me why don't you trust me why why are you hiding your body from me and he kept just insisting that I didn't trust him and he made the fact that I didn't want to share my body with him about trust it wasn't a threat he wasn't threatening my life he wasn't threatening my body in fact he did the opposite he told me he wasn't gonna hurt me he told me he wasn't gonna hurt me emotionally or physically he said all the things that you're supposed to say and yet refused to respect when I said no he gaslit the fuck out of you he placed the blame back on you without question absolutely and really what I want to just say very blatantly right now d if you're listening that's attempted rape that's what that is I said no I said no over and over and over, and I said it in a hundred different ways. And here's the thing. I didn't want him to leave. I wasn't mad about it until he wouldn't stop doing it. I was enjoying kissing him. I was enjoying his presence. I love being around him, which is crazy considering that he's a fucking asshole. Don't worry. I'm never going to be around him again. He's been super blocked not even worried about it, not even in my orbit anymore, not a big deal. But my point is, if someone is going to be so disrespectful of you that truly you saying no at any time is a problem for them and they try to make you feel any type of way about saying no other than I understand and I respect your boundaries. Can we talk about your boundaries so I understand what they look like? So I understand what not to broach. Without that reaction, everything else is garbage. Unless they're asking those questions, be done with that situation. If they don't respect that the answer is no, be done. Walk away, get away, do whatever you got to do. Because the chances of that situation ending really badly for you, even if that just means in doing something that you're not comfortable with doing, which is really bad for you and really bad for your psyche and really bad for your soul just get out of that situation as fast as you can and I thought that that was really important to share as a measure of consent because I really disagree with the fact that it's being presented as just threats or intimidation it's not sometimes it's hustle sometimes it's charm sometimes it's presence sometimes it's promises of good things sometimes it's shit that you don't even care about but it sounds really good and it's literally just to try and get you to say something other than no but if you want to say no you say no and that's what that means I think one key thing I want to call out too is you own your body nobody else owns your body and you don't owe it to anybody else to do anything that you don't want to do I don't care what they've given you I don't care what they've done with you I don't care how good of a person they are you own you period period signed sealed delivered and no one can ever take that from you if nobody's ever explained that to you before we're so sorry 
And you clearly just heard us say that there's been a time in our life when we didn't understand that either. This is not just for women. This is for men too. Your body is yours. And also just a small irrelevant side thing that I think is important. The reason I didn't want to fuck him is because I was respecting him and myself. We hadn't been spending enough time together for us to be at that point where I was comfortable with that. If he had waited like I asked him to, even just a little while, totally different story. Totally different story. But the fact that he couldn't respect me in that moment, that's where the story ended. And it can always end right there. It never has to go beyond that. Please hear us say that. Other things that consent is not is unequal power dynamics, such as sexual activity between a teacher and a student or a cop and a detainee, because this implies that consent cannot be given freely. Shout out to our qualified immunity episode. Are you ready to talk about some enthusiastic consent? Say it enthusiastically, please, so people can get a good demonstration. Yeah, baby. (gasps) Ooh, I love it. Quote, a newer model for understanding consent is one that focuses on a positive expression of consent. Simply put, enthusiastic consent is looking for a yes rather than the absence of a no. These can be both verbal and nonverbal cues, such as positive body language like smiling, maintaining eye contact, and nodding. Verbal consent is still necessary prior to the engagement, however. So you can't go into a situation assuming enthusiastic consent. You have to say, baby, are you good with what we're doing? And as long as you're smiling and nodding at me, we're okay. And if she says yes, then you're in fucking business. Get to pound town. I'm so excited for you. Get that nut. Get it. But if you don't have that conversation beforehand, then it's not enthusiastic consent and you've completely overlooked the entire thing that we're talking about. So shame on you for not paying attention. Enthusiastic consent can look like this. Quote, is this okay? Confirming that there is reciprocated interest before initiating physical touch. I would actually argue that that should be applicable to any sexual advancement. Like, don't send dick pics. Don't, like, anything. That should seriously be present before you do any sort of initiation of, can I kiss you? Can I send you this inappropriate photo that I took while I was thinking of you? Like, Clearly tell me what's happening so that I know and I have the choice of yes or no. Don't say, can I send you this pic and then immediately snap your dick at me. Don't do that shit. That's not consent. That's that's literally not how that fucking works. You have to wait for an answer. But I didn't love that this specifically only called it out in the sense of sexual advancements in touching form because it's a lot deeper than that, I think. Yeah, I agree periodically checking in and saying things like is this still okay I love that one I, th- I think that that's like really cool and really hot when somebody is like is this still okay that I'm doing this yes or also because like what if I'm bored what if I want to change positions what if I want to do something else like if you give me the opportunity to really think about it I'm gonna really think about it and I'm probably gonna rock your fucking world because you gave me the opportunity to really answer that question so definitely put that on the table I'm just throwing that out there providing positive feedback when you're comfortable with an activity like I really enjoyed when you did that I really loved when you did this I really love this position with you talk about the positive experiences so that your partner can have familiarity and in your body and with the things that you're doing 
so that in the event that something changes and goes wrong, it's a lot more noticeable, right? It, it, I'm not saying you have to do the same things over and over and over, but really when you understand your partner, consent just becomes a lot more fluid. Still super important to determine and have up front without question. But I think that it's fair to say that, I mean, you and Nick have a very consenting relationship and it's very fluid, right? Because you guys have established that together. Mm -hmm. Consent does not look like this. Unless you agree to it hurting, it should never fucking hurt. If you want it to hurt, go for it. Do you, boo-boo. I don't give a fuck. Let your freak flag fly. But if you don't want it to hurt, it should never hurt. And if it does, say something immediately. And I think, honestly, that specific call-out is why I mentioned earlier that I wasn't aware when I was younger that no can happen at any time because I would say TMI, but I really feel like it's not. I remember losing my virginity and I remember halfway through thinking, this really hurts. I consented to it initially, but it hurt. I wasn't aware that I could stop it at any time. I had a very similar experience, so I just love you and I'm sending you the biggest hug right now. My heart hurts hearing that. I actually hate, I like literally anybody else could have said that to me and it, it wouldn't have hit me in the same way as you saying it to me. Not because I wouldn't have cared if anybody else did, but mm, okay. It was fine. It was an overall good experience. One, I just wasn't aware it could hurt. And two, I wasn't aware that I could stop it. It's, it wasn't a bad thing. Like it didn't turn into a bad experience. No, I know. I know. And I hear you say that. And I appreciate that disclaimer to it. I hear you. But it still breaks my heart that you didn't know. And it breaks my heart that you hurt. Like it hurt you and that hurts me. Also because then I think about how it hurt for me and I didn't know and I didn't feel like I could say stop. Even even if even if I would have known I could have, I still wouldn't have felt like I could have. Dude was 19, like and I was 14 and he was twice my size. There was no way. Yeah. Sex ed really needs to talk about the fact that it can hurt. <laughs> Just need to throw that out there. Without question without question and all of this shit that we're talking about about consent this also should be included in sex ed why would we have sexual education and not teach children about the proper ways to be approaching sex with their partners nobody in school ever taught me i learned how to put on a condom but boys didn't learn how to ask me if they could touch my body what is that about yeah i didn't i don't remember learning anything about consent in school but i'm not shocked by that Okay, well, now we're mad about it, so we should keep going because I can't wait for that. <laughs> My special guest notebook specifically says, refusing to acknowledge the word no. And then it also says, this does not have to be in a rapey way to still be rapey. Like, go back to my example before. Dude wasn't being rapey. And yet he still wasn't accepting that I said no over and over and over. That is not accepting consent. And it's rapey. A partner who is disengaged, non-responsive, or visibly upset. If she's crying, bro, stop. Assuming that wearing certain clothes, flirting, or kissing is an invitation for anything more is not to be confused with consent. Ever. Someone being under the legal age of consent that is defined by the state. Someone being incapacitated because of drugs or alcohol. Assuming you have position to engage in sexual activity with someone because you've done it in the past. I also want to say, if you've experienced sexual assault, please know that you're not alone. You can speak to someone who is trained to help. 
You can call the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 800-656-HOPE. That's 800-656-4673. It is also the title of this episode. Throwing that out there. You know what I think? I think people think that consent makes the experience awkward. But one, it doesn't have to be. Like, you can make asking the question sexy. Without question, definitely. And two, sex is fucking awkward. Sex is not some Hollywood movie. Like, just ask the question. Shout out to our porn versus reality episode. We literally covered porn versus reality, BDSM, and all the other ones that we've talked about (laughs) in this episode. And... Let's be clear for anybody who hasn't heard our BDSM or our porn versus reality episode, we talk about all of this shit in a bunch of different contexts. So truly, go check those episodes out because they're really great, but also super relevant to this episode as well. And I really appreciate what you just said, Allie, because that was the entire intention of us doing our porn versus reality episode, because really the expectations are insane. And and that does come into play here as well, without question. Yep. That's actually something we're going to talk about later too. So stay tuned. So this next section is going to have another disclaimer. And I'd like you guys to know what the section is called before we move forward. I'd also like you guys to understand that this section is based on my personal experiences in my life. This is not based on research. This is based on true trial and error. And when I say trial, I mean trial in every sense of the word. So this next section is called, But What If It Happens To Me? or someone I love. Because that's not something that's talked about enough. That's not something that people really ever ask themselves in a serious way. We've all seen the documentary and we've all seen the Law and Order episode where you're like, fuck, that could happen to me. But what if it did? What would you do? Do you know? I didn't. So that's what this section's about. This section is really a compilation of things that I just really wish somebody would have told me when I needed to hear them. I wish that I would have known these things. So whether you take this advice or not, please know that this is coming from the most genuine and intentional place that I have to offer as a human. On my show with my best friend, in the only way that I know how to be helpful to people who are hurting. That's what this section is. So for the disclaimer for this section, it says, one of the biggest questions about consent is, what do I do once it's been taken from me? I have personally asked myself that question for myself and for people I love more times than I care to share. The following information will be based on this question. If you or someone you care about has been sexually assaulted, please know that you have options. No one is going to tell you that, not only because the options aren't always obvious, but because you yourself are not in a place to recognize anything other than your body feels like it's no longer yours. The following information is being presented so you can hear that there are options. You are in control. And whenever you're ready to face your rapist, you'll have what you need for justice. The following steps and concepts are based on accumulation of personal knowledge and cited sources to create what I believe is an effective guide for people who have suffered an assault. 
I recognize being assaulted is the absolute most violating thing that there is. And in the event it happens to you, you just want to wash it off and forget that it happened and go back to your life in the moment right before so you could take it all back. And I'm so sorry I can't give that to you. But with these steps and concepts, you might be one step closer to being in control of your life someday. It's okay that you're not ready to right now, but someday you might be. Thing one, I literally labeled these things as things, so everybody knows. Thing one is self-blaming is useless and wrong. A little bit later in this episode, I'm going to talk about my girl Katie, but I took a quote from my girl Katie, which states, Rape happens because you're in the presence of a rapist and for no other reason. Do not allow yourself to feel responsible for the actions of a rapist ever. It doesn't matter if you know them, if you're married to them, if you've never met them. Your body is yours always and you're not responsible for your rapist not being able to understand how to function within society. Yeah, 100%. This is not a you problem. Mm Mm-mm. It feels that way because it happened to you, but you didn't do anything to make this happen. You were in the wrong place in front of the wrong sick fuck, and that's why this happened. That is not your fault. Before I go on to thing number two, I do want to offer the quote-unquote appropriate medical approach, which is to go get a SANE exam after you've been assaulted. S-A-N-E. I personally don't remember what SANE stands for and I did not look into it because I was writing these notes in a fury because, again, this is my writing. But it has nothing to do with a mental evaluation. It has everything to do with a sexual assault evaluation. It's a rape kit in other terms. You don't have to go through the police to get one. You can go to the hospital and request one. You can go to the police and request one. There's a bunch of different ways to go about getting a SANE exam if you're in a place to go to get medical help for it. If you're injured, if you're bleeding, honestly, after you've been assaulted, you should always go get a SANE exam because they do testing for STDs and they'll give you antibiotics and they'll help make sure that you don't get sick from this. But I understand that not everybody can make that choice at that time. I understand that that's not an option always. So I would like to move forward on to thing two in the event that you do not go get a SANE exam. Big breath, guys. Take a deep breath with me. So this is Lawyer Celeste talking to you right now. So this honestly might not be as warm and comforting as you'd like to hear, but this is more important than I can even put into words. This is not included in assault awareness trainings, and I simply don't understand why. I really don't. It's beyond me. Thing two, concept two, is document, document, document. In a court of law, All the defense has to do is prove that there was a chance that your rapist did not do this or that your rapist did not do this with malicious intent. Shout out to our qualified immunity episode where we talk about this very in depth from the perspective of the judicial system. Although that episode is specifically geared towards cops, this entire concept is still entirely prevalent even in civil cases. Documentation includes... Every detail, no matter how small, what was said, the sounds you heard, the smells, any bruises, all of it. And it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really terrible. And I'm so sorry to be this brash about it. 
But what's scarier than what you've already survived is that the next victim might not, and you could be that differentiating factor. Save your clothes, your underwear, pick out what's under your nails and put it in an envelope, anything with bodily fluid on it, put it in a plastic bag, put everything in separate bags, keep everything, keep all of it. Tuck it away if you have to. Put it somewhere where you won't think about it every second of the day. But when you're ready to decide what you want to do with what has happened to you, you have a choice. All the court is going to care about is facts and evidence. And no one will tell you that. I swear to fucking God, no one will say those words to you. But that is all they care about. In fact, a lot of people are going to lie to your face about it, whether they don't care or literally cannot help you because of their rank or the politics of the system or the bullshit that is the system. There's so many factors that can prevent you from achieving justice and it all comes down to the people that you're working with, which again has nothing to do with you. The system is that fucked and you got to be prepared for that. Never give up on your truth. Never let anyone convince you that this is an impossible fight legally, so you might as well not pursue it. It honestly might not be a slam dunk, lock them up and throw away the key kind of case, but you will have hit them where it hurts. Their freedom. I think the key point there is part of taking the power back is the hardest part, but it has to be done if you have the mental fortitude to do so in that moment. Absolutely. Without question. And then after you're done, shower it all off. Only after you've collected and dated everything. Again, it's going to be so fucking hard, but please, please, please trust me. Please trust me. You will never regret having that in your back pocket. You will always regret if you decide someday to pursue your rapist and you don't have any evidence to support what happened. Then it's literally a case of he said, she said, and I can't even get into that with you. If you hated that shit in high school, imagine that shit in a courtroom. It's the worst fucking thing of your life. And you're surrounded by all these people who are super educated and are demanding respect of you. And yet they can't figure out who's a fucking rapist in the room that they're in. I just, please trust me on this. Thing number three, tell someone, anyone. Say the words out loud as long as you are in a safe place to do so. So I want to talk about the types of people who you can report to. Something that I really want to hit on very briefly is that there is a difference between state-mandated reporters as it relates to minors versus adults. And I would like to share my personal opinion of I think that's fucking ridiculous. I believe a state-mandated reporter should be a state-mandated reporter regardless of the age of the victim. That's my personal belief. There's a lot of therapists out there right now who are probably like really upset that I've said that, but I truly don't care. If someone needs your help, they need your help. And if the difference of helping this person is because they're a minor or not should be irrelevant. Yeah, I agree 100%. So I think it's really important to talk about all of these people in the context of you can truly disclose to any one of these people. With the small asterisks of, if the victim is a minor, a lot of these people are going to be state-mandated reporters, which means they will then have to tell the state that this took place. I would also like you to understand, they can only report off of the information that you, yourself, 
the victim, have disclosed to them. No one else can disclose for you. No one can relay that message for you. That has to come from you directly, which is why thing number three is to tell someone, to just get the words out. So let's walk through this together because I laid this out really well and I know that a lot of people really just struggle with this idea. So I would like us to talk through this. We're all going to hold hands and go through this journey together. So people who are required to report if you disclose to them as a minor are educators, teachers, guidance counselors, daycare teachers, principals. If one of these people are your rapist, you can report to doctors, therapists, or counselors. If one of these people are your rapist, you can report to sexual assault advocacies across the country. Stay tuned. CPS, which is Child Protective Services. It's called different things across the country. Sometimes it's DCS, sometimes it's DFC, some, it's just a bunch of shit. Child Protective Services. I have feelings about Child Protective Services, but you can report to them. The police are always an option, but please see our qualified immunity episode to understand our position and concerns with this avenue. You can tell your parent, your step-parent, your grandparent, your foster parents, your best friend's parents, it doesn't matter. If one of these people are your rapist, go down the list again and find someone who's not your rapist and tell that person. Tell someone you trust and feel secure in their presence or tell a stranger and walk away. Say the words out loud one time, I am begging you, just to make them a truth. Because when the words stay silent, they fester and warp into denial, into rage, into hate for others, and into hate for yourself. They will morph into the source of your denial and addiction and bad choices, none of which you deserve to carry. Those words unspoken will be the lie you tell yourself every day of your life. The thing that goes bump in the night and makes your hair stand on end. That lie will be the ghost that haunts you no matter where you are in life. Because the only light strong enough for that darkness is the truth. Saying things out loud makes them more real. Like it doesn't allow you to internalize it and blame yourself as much because you're recognizing that it did happen to you and it's time to go somewhere with it. And honestly, even if you just say the words... I was raped and walk away. I mean, don't do that to somebody you care about. That would be terrible. But to a fucking stranger, just uh, just say it. I, and I'm not saying that in a nonchalant way. I'm not saying that in a pushy way. I'm saying that in the sense of who cares what that stranger thinks? You're never going to see that person again. And maybe it's going to be the best experience of your life. Maybe that person's going to be your saving grace. Or you never see them again. But at least you've said the words out loud so that you have the confidence of them being out of your body. Because keeping them silent is just going to fucking destroy you. I promise. Which then leads us to thing number four. Get help in whatever that means to you. Whenever you're ready for that. This is on your timeline. Always. Okay, the only urgency really that I have to stress is with thing number two of documenting. There, that cannot wait. But everything else, take at your own time. Sit with it if you have to or run from it if you have to. But really seriously recognize whenever you're ready, you can get help and you should. Keep speaking your truth and never stop speaking it. Thing number five 
is to become a survivor of your trauma. Forgive yourself for the sins that you don't deserve to carry. Move on. Learn to love yourself all over again. You deserve it. And thing number six is decide if you want to pursue legal recourse. Remember your bags of evidence? What do you want to do with them? What is it that will bring you peace at the quote-unquote last step in this thought process? The last thing that you need to worry about, literally. I really would ask, are we going to court or are we burning this evidence? But only you get to decide that. I want to add to my things specifically. Reporting itself, however, can take place at any time. If you're ready to report, do it, but don't rush. Court is really, really hard and it's fucking unforgiving as fuck. If you're unsure about being ready to go through with that, please just wait because you only get one shot at it and that's a terrible game. But really, sit with it and take the time that you need to decide what to do with it before you make any rash decisions about anything because the only thing that matters about this entire process is that you survive it. And that's at every level of the journey. What are your thoughts so far, Allie? Do you have any comments, questions, things to share, anything thus far that you're thinking? I agree with all those steps. I think that one thing to call out is it's always going to be a journey going forward. And only you can make it what it is in the end. Like it sucks to say that, that somebody took that from you. But really only you can heal you after. Yeah. And you can only do that from the inside out. There is nothing on the outside of your body that will ever make what happened to your body feel better. I promise that too. And the main thing is there's nothing wrong with you. This was nothing that you asked for and nothing that you did. And it's hard to keep that in mind, especially with society and some idiots within it. But if we could stamp that on all of our bodies, it'd be pretty long. Actually, I don't know if I'd want to stamp that on my body, but you know what I mean. How many tattoos would that be? Like, would you count it as one or would you have to use like all 20 of your digits to do that? Shut up. I have one digit for you right now. (laughs) On that note, let's talk about what you must know when reporting to the police. Shall we? We shall. Excellent. There's exactly a 50% chance that you will get an officer who does not give a fuck about you dispatched to your call. Exactly 50%. I need you to know that. There is also a 50% chance that the officer that comes to your door will be the only shred of strength that you will always have throughout your case. Be ready for either. Sexual assault advocates are supposed to be dispatched for every call that the police get about assault. However, do not assume that this will happen. Demand that they are present, however. You do not have to report to a police officer about an assault without a sexual assault advocate present. Additionally, you can request the gender of your sexual assault advocate if that is something that you're worried about. I'm throwing that out there. That's really important. If you are in need of a male or female, you can request either. That will depend on the resources that the department has to offer, but ask the question. Demand what you need, okay? It's important for you and your healing. You will have to relive this a thousand and five times out loud to strangers who are trying to help, who may not be trying to help, some who pity you, who might not care at all, who might not understand. 
and sometimes even people who try to blame you. Be ready for that too. Your truth is really all that matters and never forget that. Beware of jurisdictional lines, even within your own community, which sounds so fucking stupid and you should never have to worry about that. But I promise if your rapist is on the other side of a jurisdictional line, there might be some shit that your cop doesn't want to deal with and then you're fucked. Educate yourself on your rights to the best of your ability. Ask the questions. Do not worry about sounding stupid or crazy. Just ask them. Ask them. Ask them until you are satisfied with the answer. If something doesn't make sense, ask again. Ask someone else. Keep asking. It's okay. No one is going to give you a straight answer about any of it. Do you know why? Because the law refuses to allow people a straight fucking answer. So keep asking. In that, however, be as professional and factual as you can be. Vulnerability can be mistaken for a lot of things. And it can do more damage than anything. Also, just again, document, document, document. Never take no for an answer. Not from CPS, not from the police, not from the judge. You fight for your truth as loud and as hard and as long as you choose to for yourself. No one can take that from you. Get a lawyer you trust. It is not about their cost. It is not about their reviews or their ratings or their testimonials. It is not about their car or their suits or their heels or the number of wins on their record. It is about trust. If you do not trust your lawyer, you are fucked. It doesn't even matter if you're on the stand or not. Get a lawyer. Important note, if anybody tells you that they'll hurt you or your family, or that you will get in legal trouble for reporting a rape, they are lying to you. They are lying, and in the off chance that they are not, make choices that keep you safe. That's really the most important part there. But when you're not in front of them, call their fucking bluff. Their survival relies on your silence. I just want to say that I'm super bummed that Law and Order taught me that Stabler and Benson would show up at every scenario like this, and it's not the case. Not even remotely close. And let me tell you, I have met the Olivia Benson of our community and even she couldn't help me. And she literally told me she was sorry she couldn't help me because another officer refused to help me. Do not expect Olivia and Elliot to show up. And even if they do, don't expect that the officers before them did anything with your case. Which actually I would love to use as a platform to segue us toward sexual assault advocacies because this is a really, really important part of reporting. Like I had mentioned before, they are supposed to be dispatched to every assault call, but they might not be. I personally had never heard about sexual assault advocacies before my own experience with needing them. Had you ever heard about sexual assault advocates? Nope. I think that says a lot about our society. I think that says a lot about the culture that surrounds this concept. We're all afraid of it, as we should be, and yet none of us are prepared and educated to handle it when it comes our way, and yet it is literally the most common crime there is in the fucking world, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But how is it that this epidemic has plagued our fucking species and yet, literally, the people who are made to help with this issue are not talked about. Mm, that doesn't sit well with me. So for anybody who doesn't know what a sexual assault advocate is, it's quite literally the title. It's because society would prefer to sweep 
everything under the rug. Definitely. And I'm not cool with that. And obviously, we don't have a big enough rug for that shit because everything is exposed, which is exactly why we have this show. Welcome to Taboos. So I have two people that I have been blessed with in my life that I specifically want to shout out to as it relates to sexual assault advocates. I believe in introducing these two women to you, you will understand what sexual assault advocates do. I did not go to, what what is that website that I love? Learnhowtobe.com. I did not go to learnhowtobe.com for this information. I wanted to present this in a more personal way so that you could truly understand what this role in our society means to me and what it should mean to you too. The first shout out goes to Emmeline, who goes by M. I wish I could find you. I wish I could hug you and thank you and show you how far we've come to tell you how grateful for you I am. Oh, fuck. Big breath. I know tell you that you saved me us just by being there by holding my hand by being my little protector you were the first person to believe me and the first person to help and i will never be able to thank you enough for your presence in our history i am eternally grateful for you the other is my girl katie <laughs> Katie is one of the most incredible souls that I've ever met in every existence I've ever met her in, and I guarantee you I've met her in several of them. This woman is the sweetest, weirdest, most perfectest little fucking gumdrop of goodness. I love her. I love her so much. And this world is blessed to have her in it. Professionally, Katie is a licensed clinical social worker and she owns her own mental health clinic here in Wisconsin. She has both her bachelor's and master's in social work and she was also the woman that I had quoted earlier. The primary focus of her work is treating adults with a history of trauma as well as working with black and brown folks and people in the LGBTQ community, specifically the trans community. She also has an interest for working with people who are polyamorous. In the event that you'd like to get a hold of Katie, please don't hesitate to reach out to us and we will get you her contact information. But for her safety and also ours of the show, we will not be giving her contact information out unless it is direct with her consent. Shout out to consent. Also, yes, consent applies to all kinds of fucking things and we need to talk about that too, but not in this episode. Katie Girl, my precious little pair, was also a sexual assault advocate for seven years of her career. As a survivor of sexual assault herself, Katie brings such a specific level of empathy to her clients and, at the time, victims she worked with. Katie and M are the only two of thousands of men and women who are out there in the world ready to be there for you in the worst moments of your life, following the worst moment of your life. Society is truly blessed to have these people and that's why I think that it's ridiculous that you and I specifically had never even known that their career was out there. Shout out to all of the sexual assault advocates who are out there representing victims every single day. We are eternally grateful for you as well. Yes, thank you so much for everything you do. 
most counties have a sexual assault advocacy center within them, at least within the U.S. However, given geographics, that might not mean a lot to some people, so I'd really like to offer that National Sexual Assault Hotline one more time, which is 800-656-4673. Before I go into stats and taking a hard look at rape culture, I have one more disclaimer that I want to throw out there, and I'm going to keep it really brief, okay? There are people out there who cry rape in the figurative sense. People who play victim for whatever their reason is. And to those people, shame on you. Every false claim of assault filed is taking time and resources away from true victims. In that scenario, false victims are just as bad as real rapists. Yeah, fuck those people. Jesus. Without question. And not just for the fact that you're taking away time and resources from true victims, but also you're ruining that person's fucking life. The person you're accusing, there's no coming back from accusations like that. Even if they're not found guilty, you will forever ruin someone. That person will forever be looked at with suspicion and underneath whispers. Don't fucking do that to someone. That's irresponsible and wrong and just as evil as taking someone's body without their permission. It's just a different kind of taking their body without their permission. Mm -hmm. Do not falsely report. Thank you. So are you ready for some statistics, Allie girl? As always. All right. I actually didn't know a lot of these, so get ready to have your mind fucking blown, but not in a good way. Every 73 seconds, an American is sexually assaulted. That's not shocking to me. And yet... That's shocking to me. On average, there are 433,648 victims between the ages of 12 or older of rape and sexual assault each year in the United States. So almost 440,000 victims every year. Younger people are at the highest risk of sexual violence. 3% of victims are over 65 years old. One Out of every six American women have been the victim of an attempted or completed rape in her lifetime. 2.8% have been attempted. 14.8% have been completed. I think it's pretty safe to say that once rape has been attempted, it's very clear that it escalates quickly. 82% of juvenile victims are females. Mm -hmm. 90% of adult victims are females. Men can also very easily be the victims of rape. Males ages 18 to 24 who are college students are approximately five times more likely than non-students of the same age to be victims of rape or sexual assault. So just because you're a dude and you go to college, you are five times more likely than a dude who is the same age as you who did not go to college to be raped. Jesus, that's insane. Absolutely fucking insane. And I didn't even have time to look into the correlation of that, but truly, seriously, on a fucking psychological and metaphysical fucking level, I want to understand why that's a fucking thing. Because I just... mm. Mm. Part of me thinks that it's the teachers. Part of me thinks that there are professors who are preying on male students in that environment. But I'm sure that that's not all of it. I'm just curious what the drastic difference really is, though. 
one out of every 10 rape victims is a male. 3% or 1 in 33 American men have experienced attempted or completed rape in their lifetime. So for all the men out there who think that rape can't happen to men, you're fucking wrong. It can happen in so many ways, it's not even funny. Please don't shame the man standing next to you if he tells you he's been assaulted. Do not make it about him being weak or a pussy or a little bitch. He was assaulted. Please don't make him feel bad about that. Please be there for him the same way that you would want someone to be there for you if you were in that situation. 21% of the TGQN community, which represents transgender, genderqueer, and nonconforming college students, have been sexually assaulted, compared to 18% of non-TGQN females and 4% of non-TGQN males. 33% of women who are raped contemplate suicide. 13% actually attempt it. Indigenous people are at greatest risk of sexual violence in our country as a fucking whole, and they are one of the smallest populations there is. 41% of victims are assaulted by strangers. Shout out to our Thanksgiving episode. We clearly talk about why that happens. And it is because of the regulations that are specifically set in place by the American government to keep issues that happen on reservation property on the reservation so they don't have to deal with it. 34% are by acquaintances and 25 by an intimate friend or family member. In 2018, the Department of Defense estimates that about 20,500 service members experienced sexual assault that year. Do you want to just take a stab at how many reported? 20,500. 50,000. Allie, how can you guess a number that's higher than the fucking number I gave you? Wow. 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 Oh, I was thinking 250,000 in my head. Uh, 5,000. 5,000 is better than 50,000. Jesus. The number is actually 6,053 service members reported out of the 20,000 500 service members who had experienced assault. That's fucking heartbreaking. From what I've read on it, to assault like that within service is incredibly dangerous to report. I have also read that in articles and I have had personal relationships with people who have been in the services who have said that exact same thing. And that's fucking terrifying. Yeah, exactly. The Department of Defense estimates that 6.2% of active duty women and 0.7% of active duty men experienced sexual assault in 2018 alone. That's mm, so much. How fucking, how, mm, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. We're just going to keep going. There's no logic. It's fine. I work here. It's fine. One in nine girls and one in 53 boys under the age of 18 experience a sexual assault or abuse at the hands of an adult. Mm -hmm. Yep. Females 16 to 19 are four times more likely than the general population than the general population. Okay. To be victims of rape completed or attempted or sexual assault in general. 16 to 19-year-old girls are four times more likely than the entire country of being raped. Mm -hmm. The effects of child sexual abuse can be long-lasting, 
And this is really important because if you are someone who is listening as an adult who was abused or assaulted as a child, I need you to hear me say that it's totally fucking expected for you to have something that is really, really like wrong. And it's not your fault. Victims of child sexual abuse are four times more likely to develop symptoms of drug abuse. They are also four times more likely to experience PTSD. They are three times more likely to experience a major depressive episode as an adult. 93% of children know their perpetrator. And of that, 34% are family members. 59% are family friends. You guys... As adults, it's our fucking responsibility to know who our children are around at all times. I'm not saying you have to be a crazy psycho helicopter parent, but Jesus, don't fucking leave your kids places with people you don't know. Don't leave your kids with people who they tell you they're uncomfortable with. If your kid says, I don't like when Uncle Mike tickles me, maybe ask them about that. And don't say, oh, Uncle Mike just likes to be handsy. Don't excuse Uncle Mike's behavior. You tell that motherfucker to keep his hands off your fucking kid or you will return him his hands in a plastic bag. That is your job as the parent. If you have a problem with that, don't become a parent. I got a little hyena there. The thing with that, too, is consent for children expands to everything, even a hug. If your kid doesn't want to hug somebody, don't fucking make them hug somebody. God, I hate the pretense that just because it's family means they have to adhere to some sort of norm. No. Give your child that power. Give them the power to say no. Tell them it's okay. Without question. Without question. And actually, I want to give you a huge kudos for that, for not only that call out, but also you're the first person I have ever experienced. And honestly, I didn't even do this until I saw you do it. Who taught their child that if they don't want to be tickled, they can say no. And that's such a fucking obvious thing for me that children like that's a sexualized thing when an adult does it to a child in an inappropriate way. Right. So like if I tickle Moose, it's not inappropriate at all. Right. And he knows that. And I know that. Mm -hmm. But the fact that he can still say, no, auntie, I don't want you to touch my body. I don't want you to tickle me. Obviously, yes, he has the right to say that and do that. But I have never witnessed a parent affirm that for their child. So that was like a really fucking big deal to me. And actually that weekend when I got tiny back, we had a really big talk about tickling and Like we made it a fun thing and I did tickle her and it was just this like moment that we had together, but it was still something that was really educational and important about setting boundaries. And I promise you, if you think that I am having this entire episode on consent and I have 37 pages of research and I have not told my daughter what it means to respect her body and what it means to have somebody else respect her body, you are sorely mistaken. So please don't hear me give Allie kudos on teaching Moose about about saying no to tickling if he wants to as me never having outlined boundaries for my child and her body. We constantly talk about respecting our bodies. We constantly talk about other people respecting our bodies. This is something my daughter has known about her entire fucking life and I can't even say that I'm proud of that because I wish I hadn't had to have taught her when I did. But there is no age too young to teach your children that their bodies are their own and that starts with you. Ask your kids if you can brush their hair. Ask your kids if you can hold their hand. 
Ask your kids if you can tickle them. It might feel weird at first, but they're going to love that they have the option to say yes or no. And then when they're faced with an opportunity where someone does not give them the option, they will immediately recognize it as wrong. If you do not give them those tools, you are setting them up for failure. And that is also a huge part of consent that I don't understand why we don't talk about. Mm -hmm. No parent would intentionally do that. And yet parents intentionally do it all the time by refusing to talk about sex education with their children. And it's infuriating. So now that I'm all riled up, do you want to talk about some rapists? <laughs> sure. Let's talk about some rapists. I can't wait. <laughs> this sounds like a great thing to talk about while riled up. <laughs> that wasn't even an excited squeal. That was an angry squeal. If you don't know the difference, there is one. All right. So I would like to start on the point of a personal note in rapist statistics. I'm super, super fucking disappointed that in all of the information that I looked at, there are no statistics on this page, on the RAIN page, about the gender of rapists. But everyone needs to hear me say that women can be just as dangerous and just as relentless as men, as rapists, as men. Predators know no bounds of gender for themselves or their victims. Never, ever underestimate that. What I can offer were the statistics that were on this website, which are 50% of rapists are 30 years or older, which I thought was interesting. 57% of rapists are white, 27% are black, 8% are unknown ethnicity, 6% are other, and 1% is considered a quote-unquote mixed group. Sexual violence affects hundreds of thousands of Americans each year. While we are making progress, the number of assaults has fallen by more than half since 1993, even today. Only five out of 1,000 rapists will end up in prison. Five out of a thousand. Yet we need to keep people with low drug offenses mm -hmm. in prison. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Stay tuned. I would like to quote Katie again in saying, rape only happens because you are in the presence of a rapist. And clearly, there are a lot of fucking rapists out there who are just free to rot the moral core of society because we cannot get it under control because we cannot talk about consent. Okay, I'm going to move on. So here are some breakdowns of those numbers because this just really set me the fuck off and I needed to share them. So let's talk about those thousand cases, okay? Those thousand cases with a thousand rapists. That's what we're looking at right now. 230 cases out of that thousand are reported to the police. That's a problem. 46 reports lead to arrest. That's a bigger problem. Mm-hmm. Nine cases get referred to prosecutors. Wow. That is a huge fucking problem. For anybody who does not know, a prosecutor's job is to take cases for the state in front of the court. So really, criminal offenses are charged by prosecutors. District attorney's offices, that's what that is. They are the ones who bring cases forth against the state versus citizens 
So if a prosecutor is not picking up your case, nothing's going to happen with it. And let me tell you, prosecutors have a very intense role in the judicial system and they are undervalued and underappreciated. But also, they really only want the cases that look good on their fucking records. So if you don't have a good case, they're not going to take it. Which is why the information that I gave you of all the things and all the bags and all the evidence is so fucking important. It could be what sets you apart from a prosecutor picking up your case or not. So of those nine cases, five of them will lead to felony convictions. And then 4.6 rapists will be incarcerated. That means that there are still 995 rapists on the street. I really don't have any words. I'm just so upset and annoyed and angry. and uh. All of it. All of it. And also, Allie, what's so fucking mind-blowing to me is that nobody talks about it. We don't talk about it like this. And I don't know why. Why are we only ever focused on what happened to the victim? Why are we as a society not pissed about these 995 fucking rapists for every thousand rape cases? There are hundreds of thousands of rape cases every single year. That means that there are hundreds of thousands of rapists who get to walk freely every single fucking year. Quote, Perpetrators of sexual violence are less likely to go to jail or prison than any other criminal. End quote. Oh, awesome. <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> I love you. I love you so much. I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm not. I'm just so annoyed. It takes a lot to get me to yell at the microphone because I just get so angry internally that my sarcasm goes up to like whatever the highest fucking level I have is. So. And that was it right there. Just so everyone knows that was Allie yelling. <laughs> Didn't Josh say that he was waiting to hear Allie freak out? Shout out to Josh from Four Nerds by Nerds. Now you've heard it. Allie said awesome. That was your demonstration. So with that information about rapists out there, I would like to end this episode before we do our normal ending, right? But we've got just a little tiny bit more bullshit to get through before we can get there. I would really like to end this episode with talking about rape culture as a whole. Because as a society, we perpetuate this problem in more ways than I can even fucking explain to you in this episode. If you have not grasped that we as a species are perpetuating this problem within our society, by the time that you are to this point of this episode, you didn't fucking listen. And that's not my fucking problem. Either start over or move on with your life. But either way, we as humans are doing this to ourselves. And that is through the form of rape culture. So I think we should talk about that. Yes, 100%. So my rape culture information came from marshall.edu and the page was called the Women's Center, which I thought was really fantastic. The definition of rape culture, according to marshall.edu, was really, really great with the exception of the very last sentence, which I incorporated from the definition that's on Wikipedia. So although this definition is the marshall.edu definition, please know that it has a small Celeste twist on it because I thought it was more applicable this way. 
So the definition of rape culture is an environment in which rape is prevalent and in which sexual violence against women is normalized and excused due to societal attitudes about gender and sexuality. I would really argue that rape culture is very prominent for men also, just in a different way. So please nobody hear me say that this is, again, only a women thing. It's definitely fucking not. Some examples of rape culture include trivializing sexual assault, shit like boys will be boys, it is what it is, sexually explicit jokes, tolerance of sexual harassment, publicly scrutinizing a victim's outfit, mental state, motives, and personal sexual history. P.S. Someone else's personal sexual history has nothing to do with the fact that they were raped. You sick fuck. I'm saying that to anybody who thinks anybody's sexual history has anything to do with the fact that they're raped. Shout out to those people. Porn lacking consent throughout. That's a huge thing that we did not talk about in our porn versus reality episode. And honestly, I have hated myself since we aired that for not doing it. I love everything about that episode, but I wish that we would have been more upfront about consent and the damages that that can bring within not having it and porn doesn't. Yeah. Especially because in that episode, we very extensively talk about how a lot of people use porn as like training wheels, right? We talk about how that's really how people kind of identify their sexuality. And we have definitely talked about how porn can be kind of a quote unquote, how to guide. Why wouldn't porn have consent in it? If that's really what people are using it for, right? Make some porn that has some consent in it. There is porn that has consent in it. I highly recommend it. It's just not on Pornhub. Defining quote-unquote manhood as dominant and sexually aggressive. Defining quote-unquote womanhood as sexually passive. Assuming only presumptuous women get raped. Don't fucking assume that. Don't fucking assume that. Okay. Assuming men don't get raped or men who do get raped are quote-unquote weak. Also, don't assume that. I will shove an ice pick in your eye. Don't fucking assume that. I have a time machine. You have an ice pick. (laughs) We're causing some fucking problems today, baby. Pressuring men to quote-unquote score is just as damaging as pressuring women to quote-unquote not be cold. Mmm, fuck that shit. Refusing to take rape allegations seriously teaching women to avoid getting raped instead of teaching men to not rape. Really don't understand why that one is ever a fucking question and why we would teach women how to protect themselves against rapists, but we teach boys it's okay to be rapists. That literally doesn't make sense. And seriously, if you don't understand why that doesn't make sense, imagine that you're talking to your child. Imagine you have a daughter and a son and you're standing next to them at the same exact time. How are you going to tell your son what is acceptable and what is not acceptable and then teach your daughter to protect herself from what you just taught your son? Because every rape situation needs to be looked at like that. These are human fucking beings. And this thing that happens to people is the worst thing that could happen to people. If you've never been violated, you have no idea what it means to have somebody else take your fucking body from you. You have no idea what that means. Yes, exactly. I think another call out too is that not everyone has the same experience in this area. So just because one person had a more intense is the wrong word, but I'm going to use the word intense 
experience than another doesn't invalidate one or the other's experience. That's really for anything in life. No experience invalidates another, but don't ever approach it in that manner. I think that that's a really good call out. And just as a very brief example to your words, when you say intense, I imagine like a violent rape is just as bad as a rape that may have taken place in someone's bedroom with their partner that was consenting at one time and then turned non-consenting. Those instances are very different and yet they're not different at all. Is that what you're saying? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. I just wanted to offer a tangible example of that because even though I knew what you meant and I feel like a lot of people would, I also recognize that there are people out there who still wouldn't understand the difference. So I just, I think that that was important. And also thank you for sharing that. Not a problem. And the final coup de grace of rape culture is truly victim blaming. Victim blaming is the number one contributor of this concept. Not sure what victim blaming looks like, Please allow us to sidebar sidecar. Dun, 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 dun. That's our sidebar sidecar moment. Here we go. That was us in the car. That was the music while we were in the car navigating so hard to our sidebar sidecar conversation. Are you ready for this? Yeah, after that trip. <laughs> beep, beep. Per the Star Tribune, quote, Minnesota Supreme Court says rape victims too intoxicated to consent aren't quote-unquote incapacitated. End quote. Yeah, fuck that shit. Super fuck that shit. Let's talk about what shit we're saying fuck that to, though, because not everybody might know this. On March 24th, 2021, Minnesota Supreme Court ruled in a decision 6-0, to zero, a person who is sexually assaulted while intoxicated isn't considered quote-unquote mentally incapacitated if he or she consumed drugs or alcohol voluntarily. What? 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 Yeah, this is why the laws are fucking stupid. What? I just... Okay, okay, okay. So uh, we're actually going to talk about this case for a second before I really share my thoughts and feelings on this because most of my thoughts and feelings are literally part of the fucking case. So, uh, uh, all right. So let's just, let let me just go there. This decision was based on the prosecution of Francois Khalil, who picked up a woman who had been refused entry to a bar earlier that night because she was already too intoxicated. So basically, they wouldn't even let her in the bar because she was cut off already. Okay, nothing weird about that at this point, right? He picked her up. He told her that he would bring her to a party, but instead he brought her back to his house. That's a red flag. That's a red flag for me. Mm -hmm. That's a real red flag for me. As a human being, let alone as a fucking judge who has seen hundreds of thousands of rape cases in... I'm not, I'm not, I'm sorry. I'm not there yet. I'm not, I'm not there yet. She passed out and woke up to him raping her. But the court saw this as her fault and did not prosecute. And in fact, they overturned his original guilty conviction through this. Per Justice Paul Thyssen... Quote, the lower court's definition of mentally incapacitated in this case, quote, unreasonably strains and stretches the plain text of the statute, end inner quote, because the victim had taken intoxicants before encountering her attacker, end quote. So really, I would like to tell you what this means in everyday human fucking terms. That means 
if you go out to the bars with your friends for your 30th birthday and you get wasted and you're walking out to your car and you get raped in an alley by Brock Turner the Rapist. Oh, you mean Brock Turner the Rapist? I mean Brock Turner the Rapist. He's going to walk. He's going to fucking walk because you were drunk and you chose to be drunk. Did you choose to have sex with him? No. The entire purpose of consent has been disregarded by this law being set up this way. And why the judicial system of any fucking stretch of the imagination would ever look at the person's voluntary level of intoxication as opposed to looking at someone's understanding and blatant disrespect for the concept of consent is insane. Absolutely insane. I don't even understand how they could look at something like that. I understand it's a law, so they ruled on the current way it's written. But how has nobody looked at that prior and said, this should probably be adjusted now. This verbiage is a loophole. Change it. Not only that, but also he was guilty. Mm -hmm. He was found guilty by a jury of his peers. The fact that it got to the Supreme Court is really not really jiving with me very well. Because do you know the number of cases that actually make it through from a state judicial branch to a Supreme Court judicial branch? It's like 3% of cases make it to the Supreme Court. It's very fucking small. So for the court to have gotten this case of all the fucking cases that they could have, I really find it interesting that this case, which is so blatant, he essentially kidnapped her. She was too drunk to know where the fuck she was going. She wouldn't even have been let in the bar that she went to. Mm -hmm. There's no way she could have said, yes, let's go somewhere effectively, right? Yeah, she could have said the words with her mouth, but really as a decent human being, your first thought is, let me take this woman to a hotel or let me take this woman to the hospital or let me go through her phone and find her fucking roommate or her boyfriend or something. Your thought is not... Let me take her to my home on the other side of town and fuck her while she's unconscious. So I don't really give a fuck how the law is written, mm -hmm. even as someone who genuinely loves the law and loves right versus wrong and really, really appreciates the structure that is supposed to be a judicial system. Please note, I did not say our judicial system. I recognize that the Supreme Court fucked up so unbelievably badly with this case and one of two things is going to happen they are either going to undo a hundred years of incredibly hard fucking work with one overturn or they will be made an example of by the rest of the country and as citizens of this country i truly think that that's up to us I don't think that we can rely on a different branch of government to set an example with this. We need to get loud about this. This is rape culture by definition. This is victim blaming being built into the fucking laws themselves. And if we as citizens are going to allow victim blaming to be built into the laws, what else are we going to allow to be built into the laws? What else is going to come our way that's not acceptable by a fucking moral code and yet the law has now made it acceptable?
I mean, seriously, the other big thing that's on the table right now is the age of consent. That's back up. That was a huge thing that people were talking about when Biden was running for president. Mm -hmm. That was a huge slander campaign. But that doesn't mean that it's not real. That doesn't mean that people aren't talking about that. There are people all over the country about lowering the age of consent to 10. No. But if we're going to tolerate victim blaming, guess what the next thing that's on the docket's going to be? I'm really serious about that. Yep. Which is why I wanted to talk about it today. Which is why I think it's so important to talk about in general. Which is why I wanted to do this episode. Because I want people to understand what we're talking about for themselves and for the people that they care about. And also for the future and integrity of our country. Because truly, this is what it comes down to. These conversations. These moments. Yeah, I definitely agree. Some of the shit that just comes to light in our conversations is just mind-blowing to me. And this is just another example. I agree. Actually, I have one quick thing I wanted to add on for rape culture, if you don't mind. Oh, absolutely don't mind. Please. I'm so sorry I didn't even ask you. I should have. No, that's not our format. (laughs) So I think one thing that's kind of ignored, not necessarily ignored, but it's just disgusting. I don't have another way to put it is when men or boys are assaulted, it's treated so differently than women, especially when they are children in middle school or high school. Without question, you're absolutely correct. You see a teacher, a female teacher, assault a young boy, like preteen, teenager, I don't give a fuck, under the age of consent. And the first comments on that article are, damn, I wish my teacher looked like that when I was in school. That's disgusting and why is it different what if it was your daughter and a male teacher it shouldn't be any different i just don't understand and the other thing is i think men have the addition of their bodies showing being quote turned on they're not turned on they're being raped but their bodies still respond to it unintentionally visibly obviously for women it's not as obvious but your body responds regardless of whether or not you like it sometimes And I think there's that additional layer for men where they have to overcome that misconception in society. Just because you look turned on doesn't mean you want it. I really appreciate that you said that because although I recognize those things to be true, I did not have them in my notes because I just, I, I had 36 pages of notes and two minutes before we were supposed to log in. So, but, but even if I had more time. I can't promise that I would have covered those in this spectrum because truly there's just so much to cover. There's so much to be covered, right? Mm -hmm. So I genuinely appreciate that you brought those examples to the table for the reason of I might have missed them anyway, just because there's so much to be talked about. And actually, I really, really specifically appreciate that you brought up the female teacher, male student dynamic for a second, because something that I have personally watched and I really recommend to people, not because it's like a good show but because it's actually like a really really good show it's called a teacher on hulu and uh you can't watch that shit and not be skeeved out even if you are one of those people who's ignorant enough to believe the ideology of oh sweet a teenage boy boned his teacher like if you actually watch this shit even the people who come to it with that mentality will still be deeply disturbed because it is deeply disturbing. It is 
deeply disturbing. Mm-hmm. And the way that the show presents it is so fantastic beyond the scope of a teenage boy hooked up with an older woman. That's no longer the conversation because that's really what people cling to in that situation, right? That's that's the piece that they like hype up. Yeah. They're ignoring the fact that that's a fucking child who was taken advantage by a fucking adult who they were supposed to be able to trust. Again, that power imbalance. I just really recommend the show. It's fucking disgusting. But again, it's really well done. Thank you for allowing me to side tangent. Oh my god. Yeah, girl. Side tangent whenever the fuck you want to. I love your side tangents. Thank you for letting me incorporate a sidebar sidecar moment into this episode because I love our sidebar sidecars. Beep beep. Beep beep. So now may I ask you what you've learned here today? I loved the... Okay, loved is the wrong word, but... (laughs) I didn't love anything about this episode. I just want everyone to know that i enjoyed the history portion of it and shout out to all those badass women that got the ball rolling and muck wrangler muck whatever muck wrangler whatever that term was that guy thomas william stead the muck racking journalist william shout out to william i'm just throwing out random names from around that time thomas (laughs) billy so yes that's what i enjoyed what did you learn I learned that I've never so openly and honestly talked about my experiences as a victim of assault and rape before in my life. I've never, in fact, even looked at them as in-depth as I did in doing this research. And honestly, even coming to the position of asking to do this episode, um, I just didn't think that I would ever do that. Because I never acknowledged that I was a victim of all of the circumstances that I truly have been a victim of in my life. Because also, you can be raped more than one time. And if nobody's ever said that to you, that's real. And every time it's ever happened to you is just as valid as any other time before that. So I guess I learned from this episode that I've really come to terms with that in myself and truly that this was a demonstration of me practicing what I preach, which is really important to me. And I'm honored to have shared that with you and with our listeners. I am proud of you for all of this. Oh, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) So there, you guys, there is consent. I hope that you guys learned something here today because truly that's what this was about. And whether that means that you learned something about yourself and your trauma or maybe someone else and their trauma or even what to do in the event of trauma, or how to fight against this as a culture. I just really hope that you guys took something away from this today, and also that this episode, more than any episode ever, I really ask you to consider sharing with someone. If one in six women are a victim of sexual assault, I guarantee you that you know at least one woman who is a survivor and who would benefit from hearing us say that's not her fault and understanding how to move forward from her trauma. And what if that's your wife? What if that were your daughter? What if that were your son or your brother? I mean, you guys, really, this is out there. This evil is out there. And it's around every fucking corner, apparently, times 995 times. Just mm, watch out for each other, really. And 
if you don't mind, I have one more thing actually that I just thought about that I did not put in my notes, but I want to share, which is how as a society we move beyond this, right? Which we kind of talked about a little bit, which is identifying the laws and changing them, but also be there for each other. Ask the woman standing next to you her story and shut the fuck up and listen to it. Don't criticize. Don't doubt. Just listen. Just like you'd want her to listen to your story. And then give her your story. There is power in numbers, especially when it comes to this type of violation. And the only way that we as a fucking species are gonna get better is if we do it together. This is no different than any other major social issue that plagues our country, plagues the fucking world. If we don't get loud about what is wrong with this, nothing will ever fucking change. So get loud. It's time to pull back that rug. Oh, we went back to the sweeping analogy? I did. I guess you weren't there yet. (laughs) I wasn't, but it's fine. My megaphone and I will sit down while you sweep. Oh, I'm unsweeping. I'm taking shit out from under the rug. That's true. You're right. No more sweeping. Dear listeners, if you also want to join us in whatever better terminology you have than unsweeping, because apparently that's how I describe lifting up a rug and getting all the mites out from under it. Send us some analogies. We would appreciate that. You can reach us at Taboos the Pod on Instagram and Twitter. It's Taboos on Facebook, taboospodcast at gmail.com, and our website is taboosthepod.com. We also have a Patreon if you would be interested in helping us keep the lights on. We are a grassroots podcast, and we are completely independent other than the super cool networking opportunity that we have recently found. Shout out to TNC. We are super excited to work with you guys. But otherwise, we are truly an indie podcast. So if you would like to support us and help us keeping this thing going, please go check out our patreon there are some really cool tiers with some really fun stuff available we promise not every episode is as heavy and intense as this one we really are super good at making asses of ourselves and that seems to all make its way to our patreon page so if you're interested in that please go check that out and on that note do you be taboos Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.